Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 461. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. For more information or to check out other shows on the Evergreen Network, please visit evergreenpodcast.com. So this week's interview is with John Jeffcock. John is founder and CEO of Winmark, an edtech business that includes 16 C-suite networks, with 700 multinationals across 18 countries. He's also a decorated former captain in the British Army. In this conversation with John, we discuss his recently published book, The Sweet Spot, Reaching, Leading, and Delivering the C-Suite. We discuss his work at Winmark, how being an officer in the Army informed his leadership style, what defines success for him, the profound importance of governance, ethical frameworks, purpose, and much more. You'll find all the show notes on minterdial.com. Please do consider to drop in your rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe to catch all the future episodes. Now for the show with John. John Jeffcock, welcome to the Minter Dialogue. You are the CEO and founder of the C-Suite network business, Winmark, which you started in 1997. And you described it as an ed tech. We're going to get into that. You're also, and importantly, as far as I'm concerned, a former captain in the British Army, decorated for distinguished service in the first Gulf War. Thank you for your service. And also for managing the Northern Cordon around Sarajevo uh, for the UN during the war in Bosnia. Uh, touched, that touched me a lot. So I'd like to start off, John, just by asking you, how much did your experience in the British Army help you to form you to inf- instruct your leadership style? Okay, that's a good, <laughs> a good, a good question. Um, I think uh, a couple of ways. The A, I'm very, um, I, I, I think in the army stuff has to work, if that makes sense. And, and so as, as a result, I have a very practical approach and, um, and, I, and I, want to understand, I want to understand how things work and I, and I, and I want to do things in, a, in an open, honest way. And, and I also think that one of the things you have in the military is everyone has to be able to do it everyone else's job and so you train to a high standard and then and then let, and then let them free on the ground so, so so i think that that very much plays in i think also in the, in the military you have to have extraordinary tenacity <laughs> and so um you know and, it, and if you're a founder you you, you go through you know, tough times you know i've remortgaged the house twice you know put, mm. uh, put, i put pay well on the credit card once yeah, but a, a lot a long time ago and and so i think if i had to had that level of resilience I may not I may have given up a long a long time ago which which would have been a mistake so I'd say a combination of tenacity practical approach and also probably just straightforward planning I remember when I did my MBA I found I found quite a few things quite hard because I remember I found things like performance related pay really hard to understand because I thought why weren't they doing that in the first place why do you have to get the commission for them to work hard how does I could just couldn't understand that as, as, as a concept and and so I find part so I find part, parts of it very hard, but but when it came down to planning, I think I scored the highest mark ever scored scored on the course. But but purely because that's all I've done for the last seven years of my life was was endless small plans on on operations. So it's, so probably planning, fantasy, yeah. And so your the basic premise of capturing is that well, if you say it, you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Life's too short. Yes. 
Right, but in, in so in, in I, I've I've um I've written a book on the Second World War and and had an enormous amount of interactions with people in the military, and the thing that I always get out of it, which is that in 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 wartime in the in the military, the single most important thing to protect is your line of communication, and. And so that there's a, it seems anyway, in the British Army, I'd love to know if that's also the, the case, but the attention to communications is so vital in, in the army in order to get things done. And I feel it somewhat similar in the issue of business. If, you, if your communication lines aren't clear and the messages that are within aren't clear, things go wobbly. Yeah, I think that, I think that's entirely entirely true, and I think also within that a key point is the is a purpose of is is a purpose of the communication. So so what is the ultimate task here, and, and what you know what, what what are we trying to achieve? Because I think a lot of people in business get lost in um, in rubbish. You know, they get lost in sort of detail that's just not relevant to to what, to what you're fundamentally trying to achieve. And I think that that is a and that that and it sounds like a weird thing to say, but I think. Um, in, in poetry, you have to cut to the chase. In a sense, you can't have spare words. And I think, in the same way, that in in business, it's useful. You, you just if you just cut to the chase. You know, this is fundamentally what we're trying to do. That's a nice thing to do, but is it going to progress us in any way on the journey? And so, 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 you know, I take my so it's like to say, I, I I take my children up a mountain in Austria. My my my, my wife is Austrian, so so so, and, and part of getting a mobile phone they they had to climb this mountain part, part of all the criteria they had to meet and so um, and uh, and and within that the the um the the, the day before they 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 packed their rucksack that was it they packed the rucksack and i had to sort of unpack the whole thing light out on the table pull out the barbie dolls <laughs> that's all the rubbish to take with you because it's just not needed on the journey so i think there is a point on the communication that it's 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 keeping people focused on what, on what you're fundamentally trying to achieve and repeating it and, and making sure they're clear about, about, about the task at hand, yes. Yeah, so I, I, will, I will entirely support that. Well, now that you mentioned poetry, uh, I understand, John, you've written some poetry, is that, is that accurate? Tell us about that, if that's the case, and why you do it. So I did, I did two books. I did one that, that I wrote and one that I did with the Ministry of Defence and the Poet Laureate, uh, which was a combination of uh, poems from um, people who were serving, which is actually I think the first book because because serving soldiers are are aren't by law allowed to write, and 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 so so as so I got special per per permission from 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 the Ministry of Defence to do that, and it was really interesting. Actually, this is really really interesting happened because because the I, I got a I got General Dannett and the poet laureate to mark all the poets. If that makes sense, you, you, uh -huh. you know, just to to say how good they were, and they had to rank out ten, and then they came back to me uh, and I and I would. Put it in 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 it was a scoring sheet and then and the, and and then make choices on which poems went in and, and what 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 was really interesting about it was the poet laureate was her focus was very much on the quality of the of the literature whereas the general Dannett's view was very much focused on the integrity of the experience in that sense and and the two did not meet uh, and so I went, I, I went with General Dannett. <laughs> I think it's like the upset. Cut to the chase. Um, cut to the chase. Because, because cut to the chase. Because you know, no one's interested in someone saying that um, the barbed wires are writing generals on battlefields. Who cares? They're interested in 
in, in, in the injury and someone trying to keep the bandage on and how they're doing it and, and, and the sweat it's, it's, is, is, is making it impossible for, for it to sort of stick on if that makes sense. And so, so, so it's, 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 it's the intensity of the experience you need to get across. And, and for me, the purpose of the book, and this goes back to the same point, the purpose of the book was to, I, I wanted soldiers to be able to hand it to their, their, their partner or their children and say, this is what it's like. This is the real thing. Yeah. And, and so some of the poems weren't, weren't very good. They were, they were written by people like Gurkhas and it was second language. They were written by seven-year-old children saying, why dad are you going to walk kind of thing. So, so but it was, it, was, it, was, it was a very moving book. And there was, there was a couple of poems I couldn't put in because they were a bit too brutal. <laughs> but too, otherwise, uh, too much pathos or too much, uh, the language was too brutal? No, we had, in the group of poets I had, I had one guy who was, um, who, so, so I would describe myself as, as a proper soldier. I went away quite a lot. There was one guy who wrote for the book who made me look like a boy scout. And, and so it's the proper special forces and went on for special forces to do other things for the, for the state. And he did things and experienced things, which I think that uh, middle-class UK is not up for knowing. Uh, and the level of what people actually do in these environments is, is not, it's, and not because they, not because um, they can't experience it, but I think it, 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 it doesn't help them in any way. Oh. It, 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 it would just upset them. Well, I, I can't but help, uh, as I'm listening to you, this uh, poem is running through my mind, so I feel like I just need to start it and maybe you can finish it. If I should oh. die, think only this of me, that there shall be a corner of a foreign field that shall be forever England's. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I've enjoyed my, let's say, wartime poetry in my life uh, and explored that. So thanks for sharing those thoughts. John, we're going to get into your book, but I um, wanted to talk a little bit about your, your Winmark business, your role as a CEO. And I want to start with the question, how do you define success? Oh. Okay, um, I think so. So, so a, a, a couple of ways. I think you, you, so, so. We define success by, by the by the impact you have. So, 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 so for us, it, it, it's 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 really about did we achieve something for these people, and uh, and was it real, and, uh, and was it mature? And I think if you get that bit right, the money comes. That makes sense. So, so I think that the the money. I think my finance directors always thought we were, we were a bit of a charity, <laughs> I got trouble. The, 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 the advantage of making money though in a, in a company, which, which is really important, is it gives you confidence to do stuff. So if, if you make money as a company, you are, you're able to invest in stuff, you're able to experiment more, you're able to do all those, all those great things. And I was talking to someone the other day who, who had a bad year and he sort of, he's, he sort of retrenched into himself because um, he's now got to look at cost reduction, he's now got to look at, so, so it starts to, you start to go from, opportunity to cost so I think I think made the the making money is is, is, is an important part of it for, for, for me I'm not a I want to build a battleship if that makes sense I'm not interested in building a, a, a buy sell person if that makes sense I'm interested in building something that is useful that works and, and is around for, for years to come it doesn't really matter whether I run it or not I want to build it um, so for that aspect I guess I'm a, I'm a I'm a builder rather than an entrepreneur does that make sense so HMS Winmark, 
Um, what, <laughs> tell us, tell us about the battleship that you've been building, Winmark, and uh, and what is it? What does your role as a CEO entail in this uh, edtech business that you've started? Okay, so so we've been around for about twenty four years, and what we basically do is run these C suite networks. And the idea is very simple: is, is if you get made a national, regional, global lead, where do you learn from? And the, the choice is typically academia, consultancy, or your peers. Is, is, is where you learn from. Uh, 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 the academic environment tends to run out at about 35, that makes sense. So, so if, if you go to even the best business schools in the world, and you, you get taught finance, you get taught you know, cash flow and all these things, but you're not taught how to be a CFO. So where do you learn how to do that? And, and then you've got your great consultancies and Baines and McKinsey's of the world who, 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 who do a great job. But, but if you actually will see a CFO, you'd much rather listen to another CFO while how they do stuff. So I was talking to a, a FTSE 100 CEO yesterday. He's going to talk to our CEO network, uh, and, and he was talking about the, the the people engine he's created, but behind that, and that's why they they've been successful. They've grown by 600% in the last I can't remember what the time frame was, but they grown enormously in a short period of time. And, and and he said it was all about getting the people bit right. And you know, why do they wake up in the morning? What is their what do they get out of that? So that was the um, the, 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 the main drive of that. So the idea is that that pull these people to get together to share how to do stuff. So it's not theory. It's not, uh, it's, it's practice examples, how to do stuff. And with that, we try and get content off them and all sorts of stuff. And, 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 uh, and, it, and it works really well. We also feed in, I think it's quite interesting, the, the top level consultancies really like what we do. So the, the McKinsey World and Bain & Co like what we do, because in a way we make their buyers better, if that makes sense. Mm. The, the, mm -hmm. Whereas if you're, if you're a consultant, you've got quite a shallow depth of knowledge, you hate us. Because well, well, just introduce an HR director, another HR director who's just done it, and, and there's no need to meet you. And, and so, so there is a, so, so, so from one perspective, we're very well liked. Another perspective, where we're we're not very liked because we can we can eliminate the need for a consultancy. And that's you, you raise you raise the playing field. Yeah, yeah. And what have we? So we were running all these face to face meetings. We were running about two hundred a year face to face. So about twenty people and someone signing up and saying, "What I've done," and they asked a lot of questions. So and when COVID hit, we had to obviously stop that. Go, overnight. <laughs> and we flipped to not Zoom, went somewhere else. And then then everyone ended up going to Zoom. So you had to flip to Zoom after that. It was slightly dull. We, we, we got our, our first bet was wrong. We went to Zoom. And the cool thing about uh, that was you could suddenly expand globally. So actually, you could have a... Uh, we had a fantastic session uh, where we had... Um, in sat in the UK talking, we had Volvo Financial Services, which is based in Delaware in the US, and it was all being chaired by uh, Guy Barclays, who's based in Kenya. And so you can you can run these global events, which is which is quite exciting, and that brings in I think a couple of new di dynamics to the world. So, so we we were looking at the best people in the UK. We can now get the best people in the world to talk to share, which is really good. The other good thing about it, it it's it's the cultural different the, the different cultures, different approaches to stuff. And actually, you might go, actually, you know what, the agents do this quite quite well. I was talking to a guy in Singapore uh, last week who was saying, actually, we really like this because the way Europe approaches tech transformation is different to Asia. The, 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 the basis they go through is slightly, slightly different. And actually, it's really interesting to just, it, it makes you reflect on your, in your own, on, on your own processes. So, yeah, so, so I think that's it. It's really interesting. Yeah. That's something that I suppose is typically done internally when you have the, let's say they get the general manager of the United States who moves to become the general manager of China and then can sort of swing some of the processes that he or she learned in the United States to China or vice versa. 
and yet as you as the executives move around the business they they sort of seed and bring their processes and their different cultural biases and understandings into into the thing that's fascinating so tell us about a little bit about the size of Winmark and and how many people are members and and who are the types of people you want to have join okay okay so we uh so, so we are uh, we're, we're, we're not sort of fortune or footsie snobs if that makes sense so we 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 work with organizations who employ a thousand people plus um you need a certain level of complexity to make us worthwhile if that makes sense the, right. the, um so do that we have a whole group of companies people who have never heard of but a colossal in size colossal <laughs> you know i speak we, we just we just um uh, our last chief information officer was a company called motor oil they're headquartered in, in Athens. I have to say, forgive me, I've never heard of them, but they have the largest refinery in Southern Europe. They have a retail chain of, of hundreds of shops. They have a bank, but they're, and, and, and they're family-owned, so, so, so they're not on the list. And it's quite interesting. I think in the in the UK, a lot of the largest companies are, are, are public companies. Where do you go to Southern Europe? A lot of them are family-owned. You know, I think it's really interesting in, in Germany. Siemens is a family. BMW is a family. You know, they're all family businesses, which goes back to the point that, that you made in your book uh, about those key important things. The, the, so, so I think there is a, so it's quite, quite interesting how, how, uh, how so, so, so we have a complete spe spectrum of members from Disney and HSBC to, 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 to organizations you would never heard of. Um, but but it's, it's fun. They're all intelligent people trying to do the right thing. And I know that business sometimes in the news gets this sort of rotation. They're all trying to, they're all based on greed, but most people I know are, a good normal people, very bright, very talented beings, trying to do the right thing for, for their organizations. At the very outset, John, you were talking about how things don't get done or communications fail and things get in the way. The little thought, the three-letter word that I was thinking of is ego. The other thing which possibly is probably is related to ego, which I would hear about a lot, is well, not invented here syndrome and the types of challenges of incorporating best practices from somewhere else or ideas done elsewhere as well, that couldn't be done here. Or, well, you're a publicly traded company. Uh, it's very different for me. I can do this because I'm privately owned or vice versa. And those types of barriers to openness to exchange and learn from others. Is that something that you run across? And, and how does one uh, deflect that or get through it? So that's that's quite an point. If I sounds like a weird response for that, but but I think you were mentioning earlier about the second world war and how you uh, how you've done some writing in in in, in, in that space. One of the things you find in war is, is peacetime soldiers don't very often make the best wartime soldiers, and actually it's it's the school teachers who take over and, and the, who, 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 who who become the officers and, uh, and win the battles kind of thing in the, in, in, in the end. And I think that COVID's had the same impact. I think COVID's have been quite a big clean out because um, you've had to innovate extraordinarily, extraordinarily quickly. We had uh, the senior partner of McKinsey's Bay Area in, 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 in Texaco come, come, come talk to our members and said one of the things that I thought she said two really cool things, which were really interesting. Uh, the first thing that was the CEO should have a to-be list as well as a to-do list. So who am I going to be in this meeting? Am I the top negotiator? Am I the motivator? What am I going which also said one of the things we've learned from COVID is that we can make big moves fast, really big moves, really fast. And so we had the, I think it's sort of a working example of that, we had the chief procurement officer of Sainsbury's, which I think his budget is four billion a year, kind of thing, so massive budget. 
and they own Argos. And they had to shut they had to shut Argos down completely, but they shifted the entire Argos staff across to Sainsbury's because Sainsbury's needed stewards and to, to let people into the shop and to manage the during COVID. They did that over a weekend. Wow. So for 40 hours later, they shifted an entire company staff into entirely new roles, entirely different sites over a weekend. And I think people learned at the COVID that they can move really, really fast. They also learned that not everyone's good at that. And I think there was a big, uh, certainly as we saw in the private equity organisations, that quite a lot of CEOs got moved on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there was a bit of a, clean, a cleaning out. So I think you, you're right, there is that innovation communication bit. Mm -hmm. I think there has been a change on that. I think the diversity bit coming through is a really important part of that. Because the diversity does, does lead to innovation because you get different mindsets approaching things in a way. Um, it's quite interesting if you look at all the sort of psychology theory, you know, men, for example, tend to take, if, if the pressure increases, they tend to take more risk, whereas women tend to do the opposite. I mean, obviously, that's a huge, a huge, a huge generalization. But therefore, having that balance in a boardroom or an exec team is really important. And so, therefore, you get the different approach. So I think that it is getting better, is my, is my positive hope. For the world. That's great. Well, I mean, and certainly being able to talk with people who are operating in different parts of the world, doing different things in different industries, as long as you have the mindset that's curious and, and you can yeah. get rid of the ego in the listening, then you, you have great opportunities. And, and same goes for diverse mind, you know, diverse perspectives, whether that's visible or not, uh, being able to have diversity of opinion in the boardroom is, is so vital. So let's uh, now talk about your book. I, I thought your book, John, was a really a masterpiece in that it made me stop, think, write, underline, uh, cogitate uh, just endlessly because it really is very rich. So it's called The, C the Sweet Spot, Reaching, Leading and Delivering the C-Suite. So first question, it's just a setup. Your O in spot is red. Why is that? I, I, I guess the, that for us is 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 a sweet it's itself. It, 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 in Hamilton, they talk they, they talk about you, you have to be in the room where it happens, and and for me, the O is in a way the boardroom table. It's 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 a room where it, it's a room it's a room where it happens. So. It, so the whole book is about getting people into the room where it happens. I, I guess that's that's, that's fun so, because I thought it was going to be the officer. Um, the CEO, you you do break down the oh, yeah. chief, the executive, yeah. and the officer element, and, and and perhaps at some level those are the same things. But anyway, that was why what I read into it. Okay, the 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 the, the great thing about these things is is they can they can read in different ways. I remember when we first formed Winmark, so someone said in our marketing director group network, does that stand for winning marketing? And I went. Hmm. Yes, of course it does. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. <laughs> so, so, so I'm very happy people to interpret that however they want, as long as it's exactly. good. Well, you know, I, I like to see the, uh, the symbols, and that's one of the things that I like to try to bring to leadership is to open yourself to the signals and symbols that are out there. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, 
avoiding, or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Um, then um, you talk about making the C, you talk about a lot of things, but things I wanted to pick up on. You talk about making the C-suite more aware of the customer and, and how often that's lost in the place where things are happening in the C-suite. And you mentioned the standard chartered customer week. Talk us through how important it is and what can boards and C-suites do to re-inject the customer into that conversation. I think it's a very, it's a very simple answer to that. I think the answer is, is talk to them. And I think that sounds like a very sort of thing, but I, I always remember uh, we had Justin King come and talk to our, to our, uh, our CEO network. And he, he turned around and said, I don't get this lonely CEO thing. He said, I've got, you know, 30,000 employees who all love me. How can I possibly be lonely? If I'm lonely, there must be something wrong with me. And there is, a, because I think it's quite simple go and talk to them. And I think it's also really important that the top echelon don't, don't stop doing that. They always need to put a meeting on the diary every week. I'm going to talk to a customer, talk to a customer, talk to a customer, go on the shop floor, ask, 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 ask them the question. I think I think also people get not used to it, that makes sense. They get not used to it and then they become a bit um, shy towards it. And actually they need, to, they need to get out there. We had a really good example of this in one of our, our networks, a CEO group, where uh, something went, went, it was a hundred million pound business, something went, went, went wrong with an account. And the, the CFO of the client side turned around and said, actually, do you know what? Let's use someone else. And the CEO thought, oh, I need to engage here. And went to, went to the CFO and said, can I talk to you? And the, and the CFO said, you know, if you if you cared, you'd have called me six months ago. You clearly don't, when we were moving supplier. And it was, it, was a, it was a big account. And the CEO sat back and just thought, put, put his sort of hands in his head and said, I didn't know any of our core customers. Just, I just don't know them. And if I have to intervene, I have no traction on them. And it's really, it's really interesting. So, so the first thing he did, was his response to that was to create a COO because I need to get out there and talk to a customer all the time. So I think it's really important you don't lose connectivity. It also makes you more valuable. You know, all these incoming CEOs, they, the first thing they do when they arrive, they go and talk to, talk to customers. But it's really hard to compete with that in, in these top levels. You know, if you're in a room and someone says, I think we should do this, and then someone says, well, I think we should do this, and then the other person goes, oh, well, when was the last time you spoke to a customer? It sort of kills you on the spot. <laughs> I think it's really important that you, um, you, you do that. It, in a way, it keeps you real. It's a bit like the front line. You've got a soldier type on the front line. In the hospitals, you need to be one of the nurses you know, in, the, in the casualty wards. You understand what's really going on. I think likewise, the, um, the top team has to be on the front line and, and talking with customers and being with their sales teams, I think, you know, regularly. Really I cool. so agree with that, um, John. I worked at L'Oreal for 16 years and there was always this, this um, idea of going on the road and uh, sur la route, as we say in French. But it was such a manicured version of it where the sales teams knew that the senior executives were going to be speaking to their clients. So they prepped their clients and so the, the challenge is, is finding that authentic relationship 
because you can also have the case where you know you're coming the CEO and in this case we're talking about hairdressers and so you're a small hairdresser in some small town and the CEO of a 50 billion dollar company comes to you you can also feel pressured and not feel quite as at ease with a CEO who comes with 10 other people to crowd into your small hairdressing salon to try to meet the customer and, and so you do need to be smart about it as well in, in the sense that you want to create a, an authentic dialogue and find out really what's happening yeah. and don't impose yeah. your title on them, for example. Second of all, the, the, the opportunity to do it regularly. So you need to carve out time for it. The way I used to sort of get around that at some level was I used to bring our customer service people into our C-suite. So uh, okay. once I had the head of customer service part of my uh, C-suite, which I thought was the person who then had in, in her case, a woman in her seat, she was representing the customers ipso facto. And usually the customer service group is some sort of sub wing of some other department, oftentimes offsite, if not outsourced. And so this whole relationship with the customer for me was so important. And how do, you, how do you sensitize the CFO, the, the operations manager who's worried about how many units are going down the factory line? When this, you know, it all ends up in the customer's hands, but that seems so far away from my preoccupation because I don't have enough people on my staff. I, my my uh, efficiencies aren't where they need to be. And we get fog bombed by all these other things. And the poor old customer exactly. oftentimes gets pushed aside. Exactly. So I could, 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 could agree with that more. So I want to talk about uh, governance. Um, it is obviously a really important part for you. And I, I, and, and I also think it is for me. And as you say, it's not exactly the sexiest part of the whole story, uh, but I absolutely appreciated how much importance you gave to it. So for you, John, why and how has governance changed over the last decade? You who've been running your business for 20 odd years, it seems like it's changed. And the word that I want to inject into that is this notion of transparency. Yes, I, I think that, that okay, so, so, so I think the governance is really, really important. The, the, and I think as you, as you, as I'm saying, as you grow up and take more responsibility, in a way, you realize more and more how, how, how important it is because there's small decisions made at, 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 at that level trickle down into much much bigger things and so it's a bit like a compass if you steer it slightly off if that makes sense the the you can end up in a very different place so i think it's very important that the that the, that the governance is right and that and you and the way to learn governance is to experience it i think it's a bit it's a bit like um little p and sports they talk about muscle memory so it's a it, it's a similar thing to that you you need to experience it at, um school i think it has changed dramatically the uh it's actually quite in a good way I think it used to be much more um, closed doors. It used to be um, there was a, a lack of diversity of thought in, 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 in many places. I also think there was a um, there was a. I mean, it, it, it varied from where where you were. There was, in a way, a, probably a, a lack of innovation. People got consumed by it. If that makes sense. And I think there's there's been quite an interesting thing that's gone on now because you know, in, in, in reality. The role of the executive committee is, is to set the strategy and then execute it and, 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 and 
make it happen. And the role of governance is to, is to make sure that that, that, is, that, 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 is, that is happening within a sort of an agreed framework, if that makes sense. The, and you do get, you referred to egos earlier, you get the egos of individuals who actually it comes about them, more about, more about the thing. And I always worry when we see members on the speaker circuit a bit too much, <laughs> are they, don't they have a day job? <laughs> do you think they're at that conference and that conference and that conference? And you think, really? <laughs> um, how's it work? And then you get people behind the scenes you've never heard of, but the company's doing really, really well. And you think, oh, uh, quite interesting. So I do think the, the ego bit comes into it, the government bit comes into it, the, um, I think being alert to things, having having great antennae is really important. Um, I've generally found in life that there are people who get stuff uh, in a way that other people get stuff. So we would have a group of 100 people, there are probably five people you can go up to, you can learn as much from those five as you could from interviewing all 100, that makes sense. So you want to like find those uh, those brains and, 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 and those wise heads, that sense if you can. And they won't always be wise forever, but acknowledge the fact, once they. And, and take as much as you can, because there are sometimes we just need to reflect. You might just not get stuff. If that makes sense. You might go actually. Do you know what? I'll be. Is our thinking on this com completely? I always found the the really interesting one is is, is the Barbie brat story, because you, you you had the you, you had the Barbie doll, and you must have think you know I'd, I'd love to work in toy R and D. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> you know, a toy R and D on Barbie must be going. You know, they never really changed it. Then Bratz rocks up and takes half the shelf space in a very short space of time. And it's devastating for them. But, you know, it's not hugely innovative. It's about the same size. It's a bit more diverse. It, it, Barbie could have easily done that, but they, they just didn't, they weren't able to make, make that gentle move. Uh, and, and that, in a way, is why you need to bring customer into governance to keep it focused on stuff. And you've got to stop being drowned by um, regulation making sure you spend a time thinking about about right things. I think you'd be very disciplined in, in running those, those meetings. Yeah, well, there's in, in the regulation side, there, there can be a lot of process and people needing to follow the regular regu regulatory needs and the the uh, the rules yeah. with regard that govern the way a board should be done. I have two, two areas that I think it would be interesting to explore. One is the ethics framework. You talked about framework um just before how how do you see the ethical line being drawn up in boards and c-suites these days okay. so, so some, some people think the role of the general counsel chief officer is is in a way the chief ethics officer i, I don't agree with that i think the ceo is the chief ethics officer uh we had a lovely example of this we uh, which illustrates it very well is we had um Airbnb, we had the, the general counsel of Airbnb was, was made the chief ethics officer, which is you know, I think one of the first people in the, in, the, in the world to get the title kind of thing. Uh, and they had an issue on, um, on, on, on people who had rooms, uh, not giving those rooms to people of colour, you know, which is a really bad, bad issue. And so the, the lawyer sits back and reflects upon this in terms of, of um, in terms of um, you know, what legal rights do we have over those homeowners? You know, what, what can we do? Can they do that? What legal rights has? And, uh, and, and that goes up to the CEO, presents, this is our legal position on this. And the CEO goes, I don't care. If they're saying that, we don't work with them. Full stop, end of story. I don't care if we lose half our, half our homes. 
that that is the ethical line we run because the whole purpose of MB is to give people access to these people and if it's it's not about giving some people access to people it's everybody that's our purpose and so we don't so we just stop working with them so i think that i think that role needs to be owned by the ceo i think it's really important that again this goes back you don't get lost in 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 a, in a mud of ethics and regulation actually what is the right thing to do and i think people are hold to account on that i think sometimes they're hold to account in a bit of a tough way if that makes sense i think sometimes it can be unfair uh i know a media company that recently went under because one of the founder was accused of something did it happen no one knows but the company's now got bust it was a you know 30 year old company employed a couple hundred people so i think you've got to be quite quite quite, quite careful on it but i do think the ceo has to own the ethics and set the standards sadly our politicians don't do the same thing mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, holding, yeah holding people accountable to those ethics and having that hard line i think that really goes back to the the sentence you made earlier which is you have to experience governance because when you are yeah. in that moment where someone crosses the line and you're in the ceo and you're trying to get this other detail or or item on the on the uh, agenda covered but, uh, you have to break you have to know to break to 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 address that issue hey dude that was not what we consider the right thing to do in our company and you have to be able to tell that story then and there which may not be a pleasant thing it's not helping with your efficiencies and your effectiveness but you you need to know when to do that when not to do it and then if you don't do it on the moment well a you're not addressing everybody and b you may forget to do it afterwards so yeah if you you know that those are things that are, are examples of of living governance would you agree yes you, you need you need to call it out if you're not happy you need to call it out so uh, um, on, on the spot one of the things i really enjoyed um in your very pragmatic approach john was um along the question of what is uh, my mission my vision my purpose and my north star and you kind of in a one fell swoop say just don't worry about which one you're going to actually focus on keep it simple and think about what is the key point tell us in your own words if i'm right um how you think these these types of very consultancy words uh, should be dressed in your company okay so i think we i think as an organization now now you, you need a purpose more than a vision because i also think as we're as organizations become more remote with remote working and three days and two days a week whatever you end up having the, you need a, a stronger a, you need a stronger thing to pull people together and keep people focused and so a purpose is in a way more powerful it's a bit it's a bit like a political party it's, you need you need this is what we're trying to do in the world this is our as Steve Jobs would say this is our this is going to be our dent in the universe this is what we're, what we're fundamentally trying to do I think if you then give them a vision a mission statement they they can't remember what to they can't, it gets, gets too much they, they need that they need that line they need that line it was a very you know that very famous line with JFK wasn't he when he was walking around NASA and he meets someone who's clean, who's clean the toilets and, uh, and, and and he says, what are you doing here? Instead of trying to put the first man on the moon. He said, that's what you want. And that's, that is a quick example. You know, consultants rock up to your office. And the first thing they do is they ask, they ask your, your receptionist, what's your vision statement? And they need the line. And you've got three of them, you, you just lose it. So you need that very concise, this is why we exist in, in, in the world. And Simon Sinek talks about that, doesn't he? He talks about the, what's it? It's why, how, what, his, his golden circle. And it's it's the why is really important. So I would focus on the why, 
and and get everyone focused on that and, and embed it through. I think you've got the why and the values and, and you, you've kind of nailed it. The, the vision and your annual objectives all sort of feeds into that and delivers on that. And there's a way the, the administration that, that comes behind it. And I don't down administration. It was a great US general who talked about, which I really liked the comment, he talked about, he said, good generals talk about strategy, great generals talk about admin. And I just, there is a, there's a lot to that. So once you set your purpose and you set your thing, it's about corralling and administrating the whole organization to, 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 to follow that route. And, that, and that's where the hard work comes in. That's where really mm. hard work comes in. It is, I mean, you, you need to be able to say it over and over again in order for it to actually seep into the entire uh, company because not everyone gets to hear you and back to the communications line and it makes me think also about the british army and, and how in wartime there does seem to be generally a clear purpose you know we, we've got to beat them and and somehow that that helps to unite of course if you take the second world war how the uh, different forces within one countries, uh, military, uh, would tend to want to have the bigger ego, and I'm talking about the Pacific, in particular between the, the Navy, the Army, and uh, the Marines, and, and who's to do what, and well, we got the same enemy, but it's amazing how even in wartime, even in the military, we can forget the rallying idea, the rallying purpose, and let egos get in the way. Yeah, yeah. sadly. Indeed. So, John, it's been a pleasure to have you on, on uh, my show and to talk about your book, The C-Suite, to talk about your company, Winmark. How can people get, grab your book? Also, I'd love to have people read your war poetry and uh, get in touch with you, uh, maybe even apply to become part of Winmark. Um, the, the, I, I guess the best way to do it is, is to Google us or contact me on, on LinkedIn. Jeff Cock is quite an unusual surname, so there aren't many of us. <laughs> <laughs> the so that's my day. I'm told people should buy the book through the publisher, which is Bloomsbury, um, which is a better way of doing it. I understand, but but that that that, 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 that that's their call. I really hope the book helps people. The book is written to to try and help. It's not about me trying to tell great stories. It's about really really trying to do it, what what practically help a career. So I really hope it helps people. And um, yeah, so so go online and, and, and find me. I'm, I'm always happy to help. Um, we always need we, we always need we always need new members, and we're per, per, particularly on the international as, as we build out this sort of global C-suite platform. So um, yeah, I guess that's about, about it. And thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Absolutely, I really recommend anybody who's in a leadership position who uh, wants to be, I would say, provoked into understanding that they need to learn more uh, to do to do a proper job on the c-suite to, to check out the sweet spot with a, a red o uh, by john jeffcock on bloomsbury and other lovely e-tailers i'm sure thanks again john thank you very much thanks for having listened to this episode of the minter dialogue podcast if you like the show or would like to support me please consider a donation on patreon.com forward slash you can also subscribe on your favorite podcast service. And as ever, rating and reviews are the real currency for podcasts. You'll find the show notes with over 2,000 and more blog posts on MinterDial.com. Check out my documentary film and four books, including my last one, You Lead, How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the authors' lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.